0: Real estate is competitive and many agents hold successful strategies close to their chest, but not great agents, and certainly not me. I'm here to help you succeed. I'm Chris Heller with this week's episode of the Agent Advice Podcast. Everyone in the industry knows agents need a way to make smarter decisions based on data and real reviews, not just sales pitches. Hi, it's Chris Heller, Chief Real Estate Officer at Ojo Labs on the Agent Advice Podcast. Super excited today to have a uh, a friend and a super talented individual, Brandon Green, join us. Brandon, how are you this morning?
1: Great, Chris. Thank you for having me. Excited to have this conversation.
0: No, you were, uh, when we started talking about doing this, you were one of the first people I thought of. So thank you. it's always, always fun to catch up with you and, hey, and you do a lot of interesting things and you know, you've been in the real estate industry. How, how many years has it been that you've been in the industry?
1: I, you know, it has been now 21 years.
0: 21 years. Uh, you're, yeah. you're a youngster <laughs> compared to some of us. Um, but no, you've had a long, long career and, and a very successful career. Take a few moments and just give your background. So for someone who's watching or listening to, yep. for them to see and learn who Brandon Green is
1: yeah absolutely so i was born in a very small town in rock springs wyoming southwest corner it's a trona mining town which fun fact trona is a little mineral nobody knows about but it's in like everything that we use and uh, i ended up moving to iowa uh, as a teenager and then moved to the baltimore dc area in the late 90s in search of opportunity honestly i I didn't have a plan Uh, i thought i was probably going to go to school which ended up not happening and found a job in sales, information technology, staffing, sales. was my first professional job, and I had a great sales trainer who ended up helping me with my real estate career, although she didn't know it. She taught me early on of what it was like to build a pipeline of sales and how there were numbers associated with sales, that a certain number of contacts equaled a certain number of actual sales in that business. And and I, I did pretty well with that, and ultimately found that to be not as fulfilling as I wanted, and I got into real estate uh, by watching an infomercial on how to buy real estate, no money down. It's a true story. I was like, well, I don't have any money, so this sounds like a good idea. (laughs) And I did, I got in as an investor and uh, realized that, that if I wanted to continue to be an investor, I needed to generate more cash and saw how real estate sales and working with home buyers and sellers I would do that and then help me build a portfolio. So that's how it began in, in the early 2000s as I was starting my career as a solo agent and then investing in real estate on the side.
0: And and then you parlayed that into, you know, owning franchises and, uh, you know, part of the Keller Williams Network. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so within about five years of selling as an individual agent, I, I was completely maxing out what I thought was possible at the time. Uh, by then I had an assistant, but I was working 80-some hours a week, you know, seven days a week. I know a lot of people listening here are are understand that. And I started to wonder, like, is that it? Like, do you just do this forever? Or is there another area of the business I might get involved in? And that question led me to meeting a key relationship. And we launched a Keller Williams office in 2006. And, it, and I always mark that really as the beginning of of, a, of my business journey. The, the previous stuff I was doing was really all about sales and scripts and dialogues and conversion rates and so forth. But as soon as we launched brokerage, things changed. And I, I realized I had to bring into the picture a different skill set around leadership and financial management that I didn't have. Yeah. And, and I started, you know, doing that and, and, and failing miserably for a good long time, but, but succeeding enough <laughs> to continue to move forward. And that, that began, I think really the build of a broader vision for myself and what was possible.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that in 2006 is when I launched my first franchise and I what you said is accurate for me. I mean, I went from a from a, you know, a very entrepreneurial, sales-focused, sales-driven individual to now, you know, owning and running although I had some other businesses, now owning and running, a, you know, a real business with a, a large number of people. So,
1: um yeah, it, it was a different day. It was exciting and and I was happy about it in many ways because I like a good challenge and I find that... About every five years, I need to shake it up in a, in a pretty significant way, though it was hard, too, as yeah. I, I realized that you know in my sales team, I was kind of in control of everything, <laughs> right? or at least to the degree anybody's in control of anything. But I, I felt like I was in control, and it was very nimble like a speedboat. But then as soon as I started to get into the brokerage business and, and involve myself in other businesses, it was more like a large cruise ship. And, you know, you couldn't really make the changes on a weekly basis you thought you could without disrupting things in a significant way. And though I, I started to wonder and learn about that and, and, and inquire about what it meant to lead other people and do that effectively.
0: Yeah. So so now present day, tell us about you know what you're doing and because and, and I know you're still very involved in the industry and very involved with agents and bringing a lot of value. But I want you to share share with all of us what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I did. I ran the Keller Williams offices, and we launched and
1: grew many offices for a number of years. And I'm still part of that business, though. In the last couple of years, I've I've started to look at some uh, some other things that I wanted to do as well, and figure out where the passions lie for the next twenty years. And I have found in the last you know couple of years that what I'm really enjoying are both real estate development and real estate investing, and then also helping agents along the journey that I've been on. Particularly with regards to finances. I, I mean I have some horror stories around finances. I, I was at one point I was a half a million dollars in debt with taxes and the IRS. Like it was a tough time. And and I've learned along the way how to, to manage that. So now I'm spending quite a bit of time uh, consulting agents on wealth building and helping people close the gap between what they really envision for themselves and their personal life, the dreams they have, and the true financial management skills they need in order to accomplish that. So I'm spending a lot of time doing that. I'm really passionate about it.
0: So what do you think is the you know we've I've, I've thought about this a lot. There's agents are in the business of helping people not only buy and sell homes but through the investment in real estate creating wealth. And agents also have more opportunities come before them than than the average person out there. Why is it do you think that so few agents do do anything that actually causes them to be able to build wealth and and really become financially set or or free?
1: I have thought a lot about that question, both in reflecting on my own journey and then and and then watching a lot of other people work through it, and I think it boils down to the reality that the skill set to help other people build wealth by buying houses is actually a very different skill set than helping yourself do it by you buying houses and holding them and and managing a business. and, And specifically what I mean is to help other people do it, you have to be to a degree quite transactionally focused. You've got to get the deal narrowed in and closed. You've got to have great scripts and dialogues and conversion rates and, and, and be on top of that like every single day. It's very short term oriented thinking in many ways. But to build wealth, You have to have like a 10 to 20 year view on things and you have to be incredibly detail oriented around your financials and financial management. You have to build a team of other financial professionals you may not have to do when you're helping other people do it. So what I think people don't realize and a lot of agents struggle with is what makes you so great at real estate sales isn't going to help you a whole lot in building your own wealth around real estate. That's a different skill set. It's learnable. I will say, I mean, if you can be great at one, you can certainly be great at the other, though it's different. And I think people err by applying the skills in one and try to make it work in the other. And it just is a different world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you totally. So, so now you, you shared with me a little while ago that now you're, you've developed a program um, you know, to help agents you know, do just that. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I've got two things I'm doing. Some I'm doing some one-on-one consulting, though. I also have developed a wealth building program that we're going to bring live in 2021. That is a, a, a number of different small video modules to help people walk through a sequence of steps they need to take in order to connect the dots between where they are now and the wealth that they wish to build. I'll give you an example. Uh, One thing I notice a lot in working with folks is they realize there's a long line of action items they need to take in order to build their net worth, but they're not sure where to start. And it's incredibly overwhelming and often quite embarrassing that that they're not further along and they have to sort of deal with that. And they therefore make an error in, in selecting the wrong step along the sequence. So, for example, I talked to somebody yesterday who was excited about investing in real estate. And the problem with that particular approach was that agent had uh, did not have a profit and loss statement, had not separated out personal versus business transactions. Uh, They were behind on their taxes and didn't have any cash reserves. And I was like. It's like, it it is, you can't, no, no, do not invest in real estate. We need to take care of these other things first, which are not as sexy, admittedly. Like it's, it's not all that fun to separate out your, (laughs) so we focus a lot on the sequence to make sure people are taking the right next steps to get them to where they need to be and help them think through the mindset that this is not a one and done. Like you're going to have to commit to this, like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym once and be like, well, I guess I'm healthy. Yeah. No. Like it's a, it's a lifestyle
0: commitment. And so so the consulting you mentioned, that is is that something you're actively doing and if someone was interested in that?
1: Yeah, you you if there's somebody's interested in that, go to brandengreen.com and reach out to me. It is a 90 to 120 day deep dive intensive every week as long as it takes. To move you forward in a very specific financial goal that you have, yeah. and so that that works for some people. Uh, I I generally find that works best for people that are say north of three to five hundred thousand dollars in revenue because they've got a lot of stuff going on. This other product I'm talking about is going to be on demand and online and available and, and at a price point I think that'll be reachable for anybody. So I wanted to have both of those options. Some people need the the individual attention. Um, some people can really do do it themselves with the specific guidance of what they need to set up.
0: Um, that's great. Uh, there's such an such a need for that, and I'm 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 thrilled that, that you're doing it, and uh, because you. you are you are the, the right person to be doing this. And that's something that we'll uh, we'll be certain to um, get that information on agent advice for you also.
1: That- Thank you. I, I, as I mentioned, I'm passionate about it because I had such a hard time with it. I mean, the first 10 years of my career were not good financially. As I referenced, I got into the tax debt and credit card debt and was frustrated that several years into the business with a high GCI, I didn't have enough money to pay the taxes. And it, finally, I was like, that's it. Like, that's not happening anymore. And, and that started me on a new journey. So I'm really excited now to be in a position to help other people with that uh, for their own journey.
0: Well, good. Well, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. Thanks. Let's talk yeah. about, there's a lot of different people that that, that tune in and listen to us. Um, you know, agents at all different levels of, of production. Yes. We've seen the market and, and the industry change a lot. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it change a lot. And yeah, one of the questions that I always get asked, and I bet you get asked to do is, you know, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be like? What's... What's the future of our, of our industry and our business going to look like? If you're talking to an agent and we're getting, um, you know, we're at this stage that we are in the industry, what are some of the things that you would tell them, hey, if you want to make sure that you have a business that's sustainable and that you're around, what are some of the things they should be focusing on? Yeah.
1: So, I, the two things come to mind. One is remembering that, that the best uh, opportunity in real estate is the long game and being able to develop great relationships with people today who will buy and sell and invest in real estate with you, and then again tomorrow, and do other things for you in your life. 20 years now into it, I'm starting to now see, to a a great degree, how keeping in touch with my clients for 20 years is paying unexpected dividends for me now. In other areas of my life, I, I mentioned I'm doing a real estate development project, Uh, The the lead architect is one of the very first uh, people I sold a condo to in Washington, D.C. And so it's really been rewarding to see those relationships come full circle. And it's also made the project I'm doing easier. So one thought is this is a long game. And how do agents both have that as a mindset, though also have it? baked into their system of staying in touch with people, saying, okay, I have to have a system to stay in touch with people for 10, 20, 30 years. What does that actually look like and how am I going to be able to sustain that? The earlier you're able to build that That way of thinking, I think the more effective you're going to be at keeping in touch with people that will be incredibly beneficial for you 10 years from now, but also next year when they decide to buy or sell or list a piece of real estate because you were just in touch with them. So that's one thing. Like Play the long game and don't get caught up in any short-term exchanges, which often... Uh, punt the relationship somehow yeah. versus saying, no, it's about the relationship and we and by by building that we will transact somewhere down the road, no doubt. So the second thing is I really believe that agents need to be building their online brand presence and, and using all the wonderful technological skills that we have to to build their voice and build their point of view as, as a real estate practitioner. And, and so if an agent is not heavily investing right now in their various social media platforms and their websites and so forth, and I don't know what they're doing. Like, I mean, that's where consumers are now finding us and also making judgments about whether They like us and want to work with us, which is one of the number one reasons people decide to work with you is because they like you. So that does not mean that some of the traditional methods of open houses and door knocking and so forth aren't working. As a matter of fact, they are. They become differentiators for people who are willing to still do those things. Though an agent needs to be focused a lot on their brand and and being... um, uh, thoughtful about that investment and, and what they're putting out into the, into the marketplace as their point of view as the local expert in their area and there's lots of examples of people who are doing that really well though there's a lot to, to be uh, to be investing in at that
0: yeah um, so let's let's drill down into those two things so on, on the first one you know building those relationships and staying in contact and, and playing the long game on the surface that seems really obvious and, and that you're not going to hear anyone push back on that, right? Agents are not going to like, say, oh, that's, that's silly or I'm not going to do that. Um, but why don't more agents do it? And, and, and what does it mean to do? Like, What would it look like for them to do that? A lot of agents, I think, get hung up on, you know, they have to have the perfect recipe or, or, or uh, prescription for how they're going to do it and what it's going to look like.
1: I, I think one big issue is it's, it seems really quite overwhelming because you have to run your day-to-day business too. And, and, and my response to that is I get that 100%. So how do we simplify it? Uh, let me tell you something I've been doing for years. And it, and it, mm-hmm. it has simplified my relationships in a way that uh, has made my life significantly easier. So I have a Google Sheet of what I call Brandon Green's top 1,000 raving fans. Now, it's taken me years to build a group of 1,000 raving fans. And you don't need 1,000 for, in most cases to make a great business. You need like 2 to 250. So let's say that you're building a business and you want 200, 250. You have a list of the 250 raving fans that you have. For us, what, what we do here still today is that group gets invitations to two key events and gets two deliveries of great gifts a year. There's a bunch of other stuff that we do too, but there's, there's four touches to that group, two invitations to key events, and two gifts per year. I'll give you a specific example, especially uh, uh, in COVID. So because we were not able to do the events that we normally do this year, we upped to the gifts. And I partnered uh, with a local baker who was really struggling early in the pandemic and we sent the, the group of people on our database. And in this case, it was 275 some odd people cinnamon rolls on a Saturday morning via courier. It was a massive hit. It was a huge logistical effort on his part, not mine, yeah. but we were able to support the local business owner. We delivered cinnamon rolls to someone who doesn't want cinnamon rolls on Saturday morning as a surprise, knowing everybody would be home. And it was a huge hit. So whether it's cinnamon rolls or inviting somebody to a movie night, it doesn't really matter. What matters is there's a list of people. And we do something special four times a year to that list. That's it. That's awesome. if, you know, you can have it in a CRM. I'd recommend you have it in a CRM, but you don't need to have it in a CRM. Like, it used to be recipe cards, right? So now I just have a Google sheet. I've got CRMs. I've been in and out of CRMs for years, but I keep a separate Google sheet of my top raving fans. And I make sure that four times a year they get something special. Yeah, that's- so, so that's to your question, why are people doing it? It's overwhelming. So simplify it. Create one list and do something four times a year. You can build on it from there, but if you're doing it at least four times a year, you're doing it three times more than anybody else, potentially four more times, and you therefore have quadrupled your chances of, of receiving business from them as a result.
0: Yeah, and you're doing, you know, things like that are are memorable, right? Those 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 people are gonna remember, <laughs> remember those type of things. We're
1: still getting comments and referrals from that. In, and, and by the way, it was a double-double because the baker was so pleased with how that worked out. He put it on his newsletter and on his social media. And thanks to Brandon Green for the idea. We got more exposure. Like it was just a, a benefit, 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 benefit all the way around. You don't always hit those home runs. Though, you know, it, by doing a few a year, chances are at least one is going to be pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Anna, I love that you helped a, a local business in a, in a time when local businesses, a lot of small local businesses have, have been struggling. So yes, as a, a triple win. a triple win.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so the, um, so yeah, let's, let's t- talk about agents. You know, you've, you have worked around, you have led, you have studied, um, well, I remember, I don't remember what year it was, but I remember sitting in my office in Encinese and you were, um, in town for something and we, we uh, visited, that must have been, I don't know, a long time ago, more than 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and um, the, what are some of the other things that you, that you see or that when you're talking to some of the agents in your brokerages or your team or, or anyone that you would say, hey, here's something that, that, that I see consistently that agents aren't doing that they should be doing?
1: So I have for a number of years also been the principal broker of our firm. And and that has given me an opportunity to see the downside of the business, like the risky side. Yeah. And and I can almost always draw a pretty straight line from real issues that occur in the business to agents who are not taking their the the expertise of their profession seriously. And becoming incredible practitioners of their marketplace, of their contract, of the product that they're offering. So, I think a lot of agents get pretty good at marketing and and putting out um, big ideas and and enthusiasm. And all those things are really, really good. Though, at the end of the day, if you don't deliver a great product, which in this case is the experience that the buyer-seller has going to haunt you, and you'll you'll forever be struggling to get true traction in your business. And so, specifically, I would say to anyone listening, how well do you actually know your sales contract, and and, and do you really truly understand every clause so that you could explain it to them to your client upside down, right, without reading it? And, and how well do you know the local statistics in your market? You know, we if you think about it, we are we are asking consumers to pay us thousands of dollars in most cases for a service that we're providing and are we showing up as a professional that would charge a fee like that and in, in many cases we're not which is why i think uh, the industry has been pressured so much around commission is that the consumer has shown up and been like wait a minute what am i getting here right and and, and that's a legitimate question so I always counsel agents to double down on their profession and ensure they understand the nuts and bolts of the transaction, that they understand what's happening in a macro in the industry, and that they understand what's happening in a micro in the neighborhoods they're serving. They should know that stuff in great detail. And that takes years to to uh, to accumulate, though the, the focus on it is really important. You cannot market and be enthusiastic your way to a great 10 to 20 year career. Like you actually have to know what you're doing. And and that's something that I would say, we need to make sure we're helping people focus on that.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's great. And it's also sp- spoken like a true uh, broker of record. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> to see that stuff. And,
1: I I've, I've seen the blood on the street, the yeah. lawsuits, the, the heartache, the gigantic checks people write when they make mistakes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, focus on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Until you've been in one of those situations, you don't know how important that is. You don't. Yeah.
1: And and the truth is, we all kind of tend to learn the hard way and through our mistakes. And I wish learning were easier that I would just, you know, do what people tell me. But that's generally not how it works either for me. I tend to have to make the mistake and then like, oh, maybe there's a wiser way. So if you're, you know, so i just like to put it out there in case somebody's listening.
0: (laughs) So so you just made me think of two questions. One is, um, you know, we've all Anyone that's trying to accomplish something makes mistakes, right? If you're if you're not putting out the effort to stretch and grow and learn, um, yeah. mistakes come naturally in that in that arena. What's a mistake or two that you've made that that you've learned from that you would want others to to be able to learn from, hopefully without having to make the mistake themselves?
1: Yeah. So I. I would say one of the big mistakes that I made as I started to think about growing a larger business than what I could just generally work through my own efforts around was uh, a mistake on how I was thinking about other people. And and what I mean by that is I really truly had that uh entrepreneur complex that we could all resonate with, which is, you know, a secret voice inside my head, which wasn't all that secret to my team, which was, I'm actually better at this than anybody else. And I, I can do everything here better than everybody. And, and I discovered two things about that. One is it's not true. <laughs> and, and second is the degree to which I was thinking about that undermined my ability to succeed with that individual and undermine their success. Yeah. I'll never forget a a moment where I had, uh, I finally had found a great assistant. And I was so excited that it was finally humming along. This was after like going through four of them. She comes into my office one day and she sits down and she says, you know, Brandon, uh, I found another opportunity. And I'm like, what? How? Like, I'm like, I couldn't believe because finally this was working. And she gave me the old PR. Said, well, you know, I wasn't looking, but something. I said, wait a minute. Just give it to me straight. What's going on? Because I can't seem to. And she says, you know, Brandon, I have to tell you, you're a little bit of a, a jerk. and and jerk wasn't the word (laughs) and i was like i i was taken aback by that because that's not how i saw myself though in that moment she shined a mirror to me and showed me that my leadership and how i was showing up for other people very much was like that yeah and i and i and my coach said and tell how you treat people matches the scope and scale of your ambition you're never going to ever get to the scope and scale of your ambition you need a lot of humans around you to achieve what you see for yourself and so you need to figure that recipe out so big mistake around people that's one of many Chris that i made around managing people that's been very difficult and i've lost a lot of relationships along the way as a result of mismanaging people and, and and those are hard but i feel better today i feel more equipped than ever um I'm still making plenty of mistakes. So, you know, to your question, that's one big one that I made along the way.
0: Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I, I made those same mistakes and uh, learn, learned the hard way from them. Um, and I think a lot of people do. So it's, it's something that, you know, if you have the awareness of, I know at the time, if you had the awareness of it or someone had shared about some of those same, that same mistake that they had made you know, may have impacted and, and had a different outcome for you. So yeah, hopefully for yeah. someone listening to this, they can, they can take it to heart. Um, the other question I want to ask you is back to, you know, what you're doing um, with with consulting and, and coaching agents and focus on finances for for an agent that is that is generating good income. Right, we're in a good market. There are a lot of agents that are generating a good income. Maybe they have their personal finances, you know, relatively in check. You know, they they're they're not behind on credit cards or taxes or anything else, and they're starting to make money that allows them to start to save, what's what's one or two things that that you would be talking to them about?
1: So assuming they're relatively organized with their data, and they've got some good reports, and and, and it's never perfect, but they've got some good stuff, they don't have any major issues, and they've got some cash, then the first thing I say to real estate agents is buy some real estate. And, And it may seem sort of obvious, though, It's not really happening very much. And I have a lot of people come to me with like, what's my wealth building strategy and what does it look like? And, And I frequently say, look, one of the simplest wealth building strategies out there that is executable by anybody making a reasonable income in real estate is by one rental property a year to every two years. And if you just do that for 10 years... And ideally, you put them on a 15-year note if you can make the numbers work. But if you just do that for 10 years, at the end of 10 years, two things will have happened. One is you probably will have gotten pretty good at it and you will have ended up buying more. And the second is you will have created a fair amount of equity with your tenants paying down your mortgage in 10 years. And you can do a lot of stuff with that portfolio. So people... I think really, and I am in that camp for a long time. Overthink wealth building, yeah. and, and the reality it's a couple of things. It's good data, organizational skills to make sure that you're not getting far behind on your obligations. But once you take that on, then it's like buy one rental property that's reasonably cash flowing a year for ten years. There's a lot of other things you can do. We could recommend you would do that are more sophisticated and interesting. But if you just did that, ten years from now, you'd be far wealthier than almost all your colleagues.
0: I, I agree, and you know, and it's. I know one of the things that we battle now with agents is that people want things to happen fast. I know, and just like building great relationships is a long game, what you're talking about is also a long game. But it's a game worth playing.
1: There's a statistic that really hit me, and I, I'm going to misquote it, but you can look it up to get this the exacts. But it was something It was about Warren Buffett, and that. Uh, a significant portion of his wealth was uh, built after he was like 80. Right? And I'll have to go back and find that statistic, but it was like 90 some odd percent of his wealth actually occurred after he was 80 years old. And and the the, the the concept around that is compounding and the effect of time. Yeah. And while you've got to shorten time to get good deals closed, you've got to elongate and manage a longer chunk of time to get really great wealth on track for you. But long, I don't mean like 30 years, like you can make huge progress in five and enormous progress in 10.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially right now with, with, with you know, this, I, I don't, I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but it almost feels that way. This opportunity of these interest rates that we have right now, yes. you know, we all have no problem telling buyers and sellers why they should be taking advantage of things. But as agents, you should be taking advantage of this. This is the time to to buy those properties and uh, and and lock in those those phenomenally low interest rates.
1: If you're listening to this and you take nothing out of this podcast, if you hear me and hear Chris say, "Look, get yourself in a position where you can buy one piece of real estate and hold it a year," like that can completely change the trajectory of your wealth if you keep that up for ten years.
0: Yeah. Well, Brandon and and, and dot for people that want to learn more. Uh, always, always appreciate speaking with you, catching up with you. Uh, you're you're one of the people that uh, I always look forward to talking to you when we're going to be talking. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing some of your your wisdom and your great ideas. Uh, good luck on your your development project. And thank you. Um, is there any other way other than the website for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, you know, uh, follow me on Instagram,
1: Brandon A. Green. Uh, my DMs are open. would love to just chat with you. And any questions or comments you have, follow the content. And I'll see you on Instagram, Brandon A. Green.
0: All right. And then well, you can also probably find you soon on agentadvice.com. Absolutely. I'm Chris Heller, Brandon Green. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Agent Advice Podcast. And remember, you can use agentadvice.com as a free resource. Just as the name suggests, it's written by agents for agents. That's all the time we have today. Thank you, and we look forward to hearing you and seeing you next time.